Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Wow, tomorrow is Christmas. My kids have been getting so excited and uh, again, just Merry Christmas to everybody that's here. Um, My prayer for you this Christmas is that whatever you eat tomorrow, by way of miracle, it would not be added to your waistline. You know, does anybody, does anybody want to receive that prayer today? No, man, yeah, it's a lot of people that want to receive that because we know what happens at Christmas time. So I pray that the carbs would not be added to your waistline and, you know, that you would be okay. And I don't know what kind of traditions you've got. For me, tonight, my family and I, we will sit down and we will watch the carols. We have a box. Who's going to watch carols tonight? Okay, four people. Wow. I really thought a lot more people would be behind the carols. Maybe it's because you had such a great carols service here last week at Activate Church. You're like, we don't need to watch that on TV. They do a better job anyway. So, but, uh, but yeah, we, we do this thing every year where we have a little box that we open um, the night before Christmas. And in that box is, uh, you know, some, there's always some popcorn and a DVD. And, and it's, it's like a box that we open and we have fun the night before. Uh, we don't really open presents the night before. Has anybody opened presents the night before? Yes, a couple of people. I've heard. Do you know what's really funny is that, I don't know if you're embarrassed by that, but everyone that just said they opened presents the night before was kind of like this. You know, maybe you don't have to be shy about that. In fact, I heard that if you're, if you're Dutch, it's Dutch tradition that you open the gifts the night before. Is that true? Yes. Uh, some yeses, some noes. I don't know. But anyway, hey, <laughs> however you celebrate Christmas, I think it's really important to remember the reason why we celebrate Christmas, which is that there would be a virgin named Mary who would give birth to a a, a little baby named Jesus and that he would be born a king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that is why we get together to celebrate Christmas. And I'm so thankful that God came to Mary and and, and, and spoke to her and, and asked her to have that baby. To be honest, I'm just happy that God asked women to have babies full stop. Because I kind of feel like if it was up to the men, the human race might have died out a long time ago. You know, like we just would have said, no, no, let's just end it right here. And, uh, but, but, but he did. I, I remember when, when we had our firstborn son, uh, when Judah was born, uh, the, the planning in the lead up to it was um, intense. You know, we, we did all the classes that we had to do, attended like the, the prenatal classes and and we talked all about what was going to happen and how it was going to unfold. And, you know, on the night that, um, you know, as Judah was preparing to be born, uh, I, I woke up and my wife was sitting in the lounge room at our house. And I, I got up and I said, what are you doing up? And she said, I don't want to alarm you, but I'm going to uh, probably have this baby. And far from being alarmed, I said, well, do you need me to do anything? <laughs> And she said, no. I said, great. Well, first of all, I'm going back to bed. And second of all, if you can, uh, have this baby, preferably between 7 a.m. and uh, 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, just for me. I'd love to get a full night's sleep before we step into this really significant thing. And and that was meant to be 
to plan. And how many of us know that you can make plans, but when a baby comes, it's just, it's just happening the way that it happens. In fact, there's a guy in our church, Paul Winger, and I, I spoke to him this morning and I said, describe your experience to me. He said, well, Steph, who is, who is now one of our greatest heroes, she actually just gave birth in the car on the way to the hospital, like delivered the baby herself. And then they just turned up to the hospital, you know? And I bet that they had all the plans in the world for how it was going to go. But you guys have got to know that when, you, when you're having a baby, just whatever's going to happen is going to happen, right? All right, well, what if you could actually plan it? What if you could actually plan it down to the minutest detail? What if you were in charge of the universe and you could plan the birth of a baby and make all the preparations to make sure that it unfolded exactly the way it was supposed to? Now, I don't know about you, but I mean, is it just me? Does Jesus' birth almost seem a little bit unplanned? Yeah. If you start to think about the details, it seems almost a little bit unplanned. And the truth is, it wasn't. In fact, if you look in the scriptures, you'll find even in the book of Genesis that it was planned from that very moment, even before the beginning of time, it was planned that at some point that Jesus would come. But as the details start to unfold, it kind of looks unplanned. And even though it was planned for all that time, for eternity, it was planned. We kind of pick up the story in the New Testament with this woman named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, uh, she was married to her husband, Zachariah, and they couldn't have children. He was a high priest. And I, I love the way that the scriptures tell the story because they say Elizabeth couldn't have children because she was barren. And it's not because of some great sin that she did, and it's not because she did anything wrong. She just couldn't have children, and God intervened into these people's life, and they ended up having a very special baby. They named him John, and he was later on, you might have heard of him, his name is John the Baptist, and so they had this little baby named John, and he was a special child because his job on planet Earth was really to just herald the coming king. His job was to pave the way and he would say, hey, look, Jesus, the Messiah is coming. He's here. And can you imagine if that was your job? If you were to prepare the way for God to come to planet Earth? No pressure. No pressure. You might even be a kid growing up and your dad is just prophesying over you because that's exactly what happened if you read the scriptures. He says, you're going to prepare the way for God to come to planet Earth. That's a lot of pressure to wear. You know, but before John was even born, uh, an angel came to another woman named Mary. Mary was Elizabeth's cousin. And, and an angel came to Mary and came to her and said to her, Greetings, O favored one. And Mary, it's the scriptures say, Mary saw the angel. I don't know what she was doing at the time, maybe just hanging out the washing or something. But suddenly an angel showed up and he said, Greetings, O favored one. It goes on to say that Mary didn't really know what kind of greeting this was going to be because whenever an angel showed up, either something very good was going to happen or maybe something very bad. So she's still trying to you know, figure out which one it is. And the angel says this to her. He says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. It doesn't read it in the text, but I feel like at this moment she would have just said, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What did you just say? 
Can you just repeat that last part? Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son, son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So I kind of think favor looks funny when God does it, yeah? I wonder if Mary was there on that day saying, well, thank you for all of the favor. Um, could you just go and give someone else some favor down the road? Because I just, if it's all the same to you, I just prefer to not have your favor on me right now. Because if you understand what's, being, what's happening right now in the story is that the angel of the Lord has come to a woman who is a teenager and said to her, you're going to fall pregnant. Favor looks funny. A teenager who's not married. In fact, Mary's betrothed to a man named Joseph. And just so you understand how betrothed works, it's not like being engaged. In fact, when you were betrothed, it was a 12-month period of time, and the only way to get out of being betrothed was to divorce, which is why it says in the text that Joseph was trying to figure out how to divorce her quietly, even though they weren't married, because divorce is the way out of being betrothed. Can you imagine how that story might have gone down for Mary as she spoke to Joseph? I imagine that she had to make him sit down to hear this kind of news. Joseph, I want to tell you something very important today. Uh huh. Well, I'm going to have a baby. He probably would have said, I know, and it's going to be great. We're going to have children together. She's like, no, 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 no. What I'm trying to tell you is I'm pregnant. He's like, oh, uh, okay. And then she says, yeah, now sit down for this next part. Because the father is God. And he's like, oh, okay, 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 okay. You're, you're absolutely insane. I'm so glad we did this now rather than waiting till we were uh, married. And since you're an insane person, I'm actually going to figure out how to divorce you quietly because I don't want everyone to know what happened to you. It's cool, Mary. Try to explain it any way you want. But you got pregnant and yeah, the, you know, the baby is, is God's baby, right? But then as you heard this morning, the... God came and spoke again to Joseph and said, no, this is really what's happening. And, and I don't know about you, but as I read this story, the way that it un- unfolds, I go, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really look that planned, you know. They, they, they could have set up the communication channels a little bit better. They could have prepared maybe Joseph well before this moment, this instance and how it happened. And yet, when you read the scriptures, it says that, no, he absolutely knew that that they were going to have a baby. In fact, if you read, if we go to the next slide, it says this in Isaiah chapter 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel, it means God with us. So one cousin is going to give birth to a child that's going to prepare the way for the Messiah to come, for God to come. And the other one is actually going to give birth to the coming Messiah. She's going to give birth to God. I'm so glad that there's no competition between these two. 
But it's a pretty crazy scenario to begin to unfold. And I want to tell you today that if you're new to church and you don't come to church very often and you're trying to keep up with some of the details here, nothing like this before had ever happened in history. It's actually, in fact, it's never happened again or even really been claimed to have happened again. You look at Muhammad and, 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 and Gandhi and, and Buddha and all of these other people, none of them actually claimed to be God. In fact, this is the only time in history where someone claimed to be God themselves. The scriptures really explain it this way in Philippians chapter 2. It says this, That though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And so, even though he was God, he just looked like everybody else. He just looked like a man. If you read the, the Gospels, the Gospel of John, he says it this way. That the word, it's talking about the scriptures, that the word became flesh, that the word became a person, that God's holy scriptures became a person, the word became flesh and he dwelt amongst us. I think that that's incredible. And not only that, but the package in which God would come would be born as just a little baby. You know, when we had our children, when we were preparing to, to have a baby as, as a family, we called the hospital ahead of time to tell them that we were coming. Why? Well, we wanted the doctors to be ready to receive us. We wanted everything to go really smoothly. And I think it's kind of interesting that even though God is God and he had all the time in the world to prepare for this event, Mary still gave birth in a cave. Isn't that kind of odd? That he had been preparing from this for the beginning of time and yet she kind of, she still ended up in a cave. You know, after you have a child, after you have a baby, the next thing that people normally do after they get settled is that they call all the most important people to come down to the hospital and meet the little baby. That's what we did. And the reason that you do that is you want to invite important people to the biggest events in your life so that they can share in that important and precious moment. Sarah and I were watching a series at the moment on Netflix. It's called The Crown. It's the story of Queen Elizabeth II and just the story of her life. And even though uh, she was queen at this point in the story, she was queen, they still had to do a crowning and anointing service. And then when they did the crowning and anointing service, they invited all the most important people to be a part of that ceremony the prime minister, all the lords, everyone who had titles and lands, right? They were invited to share in this special moment. And it was big and it was grand and it was spectacular. And for the first time, they decided that they were going to televise the crowning and anointing service. But when it got in the middle of that service, for the queen to be crowned and anointed, they brought out this It's kind of like a marquee to put over her to shield what was about to happen from the eyes of everyone. 
And at that very moment, they turned off all the cameras so that it wasn't televised when she was being crowned and anointed. Well, the queen's uncle was sitting with a group of people and they were watching it on television. And then they asked this question. They said, hey, how come they turned the screens off? How come we don't get to watch this? And the uncle turns and he says to them, because we are just mortals. And I thought, wow. Yet how would the immortal God plan to invite people to a baby that would be crowned at his birth, anointed from birth, the most monumental event in human history, who would the immortal God choose to invite to that event? Well, far be it from all the, the chief priests and all the people that, were, that appeared to be very important on the outside. You know who he invited? Shepherds. Shepherds to a cave that was far off and excluded in a secluded place. And he invited shepherds. And one of the things that you might not know about shepherds is that they worked very hard and they worked seven days a week. And because they worked seven days a week, they were what we would consider to be ceremonially unclean because they weren't able to go and purify themselves. And so who would Jesus have at his birth except people that were unclean? Not only that, but shepherds were often poor. And because they were poor, they ran a business on the side, a thieving business. Oftentimes, shepherds would steal. You know why? Well, they have to make ends meet somehow. And, you know, being a shepherd, they didn't have a lot of money. I find it interesting that instead of inviting all the people that appeared to be very, very important that God would have at the birth of his son Jesus people that were unclean, people that were poor, and people that were considered to be thieves. Who else was invited? Well, if you have watched some kind of nativity scene or, or a play, you would have seen the wise men. In fact, we did that last week here at church, that there were uh, three wise men. Two of them were actually my boys, and I'm praying in Jesus' name that some of that's going to stick to them. That would just be so wise, you know. If you watch the nativity scene, the wise men attended the birth of Jesus Christ. But if you read the story, I, I, I want to let you know that you've been lied to. You've, you've been lied to because they actually didn't show up at the birth. We're really just trying to give you a concept of of the story, but in actual fact, they weren't Jewish and they were from a very far and distant land with the wise men. And so the wise men, they saw a star arise in the east and they said, hey, let's follow that star. And so after seeing it, they, just, they made provision and they followed it with a great entourage. It wasn't just three, there was a whole heap of people that were following it. And so people say that, or theologians say that the reason they knew about the star and they expected a king to be born was because of Israel's time in captivity, that they knew something of the story and they were looking out. And isn't it kind of funny that while all the people that should have known what to expect weren't paying attention to it, that people in a far off and distant lands were the ones that were paying attention at the time? And so they came to the closest city to, to where the star was and they started asking around, hey, where is the baby that's been born king? 
Well, word began to spread and eventually it made its way to King Herod. And he said, well, I want to find the baby that's born king because I'm meant to be king. And if there's another one, well, I'm just going to end him. So he invited them to come and speak to him. And he said, hey, do you guys know where the baby that's born king is? And they said, well, we're searching for him. And he said, right, well, I'll tell you what, when you find him, would you let me know so that I could come and worship him? No, he's going to kill him, but that's what he told them. And they said, yeah, sure, no problem, we'll do it. They went and they found him. And by the time they found him, it's actually up to possibly up to two years later. And when you read the story, it says that they found a child with his mother. Not a baby, but a child with his mother. And they walked in and when they saw two-year-old Jesus, they got down on their knees and they gave gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. And this is an absolute miracle because if you've ever met a two-year-old, you would never mistake them for being God. I mean, if you've ever had a two-year-old, you would not walk in and say, this must be him. You would walk in and say, what have you done with him? Where is actual God? Not this two-year-old, you know, but that's what they did. They traveled all that distance from a far and distant place. Why? Just because they believed that a king had been born. Why? Because his arrival was the announcement that things were going to change, that would in fact be a new era. The scriptures say it this way. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. When the scriptures talk about a government, a new government, they're saying that when he comes, he's going to change everything. Everything will be different. Why? Because Emmanuel, God is with us. He's finally here and everything will be different. I bet everyone had their own idea about what that might look like. In particular, his second cousin, John. I mean, after all, it was John's job to say to everybody, hey, he's here. Emmanuel, he's actually present and he's here. That was his job. He must have imagined so many times about what it's going to look like when the Messiah finally reveals himself. Well, nothing fails like unmet expectations, does it? Because for John, all he did was herald the coming king. That's what he spoke about. And unfortunately for him, he was a righteous man, which meant that he would speak truth to people all the time. And King Herod had decided to shack up with his sister-in-law. And because of that, John said, hey, you can't be doing that. That's wrong. And so they had John the Baptist arrested and put in prison. And I bet he thought at that time, well, that's okay, because the Messiah has revealed himself. And because he has, everything's going to be okay. It's all going to be different. Then he waited. 
and nothing happened. And as he waited, the thing that he had been so certain about his whole life, the announcement that he had proclaimed since he was very young that the Messiah was coming, he, he started to doubt while he sat in prison. In fact, he doubted so much that he sent his disciples to go and speak to Jesus. And they came to him and they said, hey, are you actually the one or should we expect someone else to come? That very hour, Jesus just went on like a, a miracle rampage. He was just healing people and opening blind eyes. And they were watching it and they saw it and they said, no, he's, he's definitely the one. And they went back and they told this information to John. And I bet John had this one thought. What good has that to me? I mean, if he's the Messiah, I thought he was going to change everything. But what good is that to me while I sit in prison? Because right now, he's out there somewhere far and distant. And I'm stuck in here and I can't get out. I don't know if God's ever felt far or distant to you. As a kid growing up, I got a terrible illness that affected my body that was serious and it could have been far worse than it was. And at that moment, you know what I did? I, I prayed to God to heal me. I expected him to heal me. Well, nothing fails like unmet expectations. And when he didn't heal me, I took it as rejection. And at that moment in my life, God felt far and he felt distant from me. Have you ever felt because of your situation, your circumstances, or where you are in life that God was far and distant from you? I began to soul search. What was it about me that God was rejecting? Why would God not heal me? And I started to answer my own questions. Well, maybe it was because he looked in me and he saw things that were not right. He knew I was flawed. I had made mistakes. That there were things in my life I shouldn't have done. I was only 12 at the time. You might be an adult here today and thinking the very same thing that God is far and he's distant because of all the stuff that you have that's in your life. And now we read the story and we say, great, God is here, Emmanuel, God with us. But what good is God's arrival when all he's going to do is turn away from you because of all the stuff that you've done in your life and all the junk that you've carried in your heart? And if you were here today and you are answering that question right now, I want to take this moment to remind you of something that was completely unexpected. That at Jesus' birth, who were the very important people that he surrounded himself with? He surrounded himself with the people that were considered unclean. He surrounded himself with the people that were poor. He surrounded himself 
with people that were labelled as thieves. Who did he invite but those that were far and distant and not close to him? Who would be the people that would Jesus would have at his birth? You see, what seemed unplanned was the plan all along. All along. Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel is not a carol. Emmanuel is not a prayer. It is a scripture. But it has a message. And the message of Emmanuel is that whoever you are and whatever you've done, God is not far. He is not distant. He loves you. He wants to be with you. And He is so committed to that purpose that the baby born king would ultimately give his life for that cause. And that is the gospel. That is the message that John the Baptist heralded. The first time he saw Emmanuel, the first time he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, here is the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. That's the gospel message that whoever you are and whatever you've done and however you look at yourself and whether you consider yourself to be an unclean person before a very holy God or whether you consider yourself to be a thief or or unclean, it doesn't matter the situation that you're in. Come on, it doesn't matter what you've done. He gave his life for that purpose. One day a little baby would grow into a man, the man born king, that would die upon a cross and give his life for the sins of the world so that one day Emmanuel would not just be with us on planet earth, but that he would ultimately be with his people for eternity. This is the Christmas story. This is the plan of Emmanuel. To God would always be with us. And I love that his plan he started with the unclean. He began with those that are poor. He invites people that are far and he continues to invite people who feel distant from him. And if you are here today and you feel distant from God, and you feel far from him. The Christmas story is that today he wants to be close to you. Could you stand with me? 
trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.